It's really good to be in church, to worship together, and we're going to come around God's Word. We're going to read from Acts chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. The book of Acts um, is called the Acts of the Apostles. Now, um, the chapters and verses and um, the headings of the books of the Bible are not necessarily anointed. And I think it would have been better to have called Acts, not the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because actually, the book doesn't even talk about all the the Apostles. Any mentions really two, maybe three of them. Um, And it's really about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the world. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the anointing, which is the sense of the Holy Spirit helping his church to be um, a witness to the world. Do we have some people this morning who want to be a witness, yeah? You want to make a difference in this world. You don't just want to sort of live your life and then shuffle off this planet. But there's a sense of you want a calling in your life. You want a purpose and a plan. And uh, you recognize that you need the help of the Holy Spirit to achieve that plan. Well, the book of Acts is a great, encouraging book um, just to read about what the Holy Spirit is up to in the world. And uh, we as a church, we're hungry for the Holy Spirit. I want to say... Um, as one of the leaders here at the church, that the sense of us being hungry for the Holy Spirit, depending on him, reaching out to him, is a non-negotiable. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to have a committee meeting to kind of work out, you know, do we need the Holy Spirit? The thing is, that the trustees of this church, the real trustees, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they have met and they have decided that we need the Holy Spirit. So if that is what is being said in heaven, then we're just going to get ourselves in line with what heaven says, and we're going to be desperate, 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 hungry, passionate, pursuing, obsessive about Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit be with us. It's not even so much that we need you, because we are on our way to heaven. Thank God. But we live in a world, in a community, in a city that is lost, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us. To reach out to the world. So I'm sorry that if you're kind of, you know, coming to this church, you want to question this thing of, do we need the Holy Spirit? You're probably in the wrong place. Or this morning, I'm going to seek to convince you with the Holy Spirit's help. So you are outnumbered this morning. I'm sorry about that. But we're just going to lift up. We're going to lift up this sense of being a church that is pursuing the Holy Spirit. Usually I don't get this excited quite, quite this quickly. Where's my brown paper bag? I need to calm down. Um, so we're going we're gonna to read um, a little thing here from Acts chapter 8. I've got the flip chart out, so we're really in trouble this morning. Um, let's read this together. It's good to read God's Word, and we're going to see what the, the Holy Spirit was, was doing in the Acts of the Holy Spirit, partnering with the apostles, because that's the amazing thing, is that God wants to partner with us. You know, God didn't just say, right, I'm going to... This is how I'm going to rescue the world. I see the King's Church, and to be honest, you know, they're, they're a pretty pathetic bunch. And they're, you know, he, didn't, he doesn't look at us like that. He looks at us, and he loves us, and he thinks, wow, look at the potential with these people. I'm going to use them. I'm going to partner with them to do some incredible things. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, 
they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had been baptized into the name of the Lord. Let's go on. Next slide. Jesus. Okay, that's good. Good reading there. Loving the way the software break that up. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, Simon was a man who earlier on in the chapter, it tells us he was um, a magician. I'm not sure if he was working in the supernatural in a demonic sense or he was just like a a Paul Daniels type figure. Um, I don't know. I don't care. Um, But here we go. It says, when Simon saw this man who had a lot of attention in the city because of his gifts, um, when Simon saw that the spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. We don't do that here at the King's Church. We don't receive money for um, prayer or anything like that. It's not a good thing. And said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you. Just a bit of a wimpy leader there, you know, doesn't really speak his mind. Very, very sensitive to this man's needs. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. If we go to that first slide... We see that in the acts of the Holy Spirit, partnering with the apostles, that the Holy Spirit is doing some incredible things. Now, we need to understand that when we're talking about the anointing, we're not talking primarily about a force. We are not talking about a power. We are talking about a person. So the Holy Spirit is not so much a power. It is a powerful person. It's not so much a force, it's a person who sometimes is forceful. He is a person. Now, persons are complicated, aren't they? I mean, I'm looking at Martin Mant under his blanket, and I'm thinking, you know, Martin Mant is a complicated person. You're all complicated. I mean, we know that we're made up of different parts, We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. So Martin Mann, he's not just what I can see before me, handsome, rugged, chiseled, well-tuned. Okay? The lights are a little bit bright here. Um, 
Martin Mann is, is not just what I can see before me with my physical eyes, but he goes beyond that. We begin to get into the depths of his soul and his emotions and his will and his mind and, and where his choices come from. And then there's a whole other supernatural dimension, which is called his spirit, which is a part of him that connects with God. And those three parts of him, they kind of relate to one another. He is mysterious and he is wonderful and he is Martin Mant, international man of mystery. <laughs> Persons are complicated. They're mysterious. They're wonderful. They're not one faceted. Does that make sense? One single faceted, I think, would have made better sense. Hmm. Okay, carry on. Now, the, the Holy Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit is complex. He's mysterious. He's wonderful. There are many facets, not only to who the the Holy Spirit is, but also to what the Holy Spirit does. And we begin to see this in Acts chapter 8, that the work of the Holy Spirit here in Samaria is multifaceted with these people. He doesn't just do one single thing, but he does many things. So it says at the beginning there that they accepted the word of God. Now let me ask you a question. How did these people accept the word of God? It was by the Holy Spirit. It was by the Holy Spirit doing something in their hearts. In fact, even before they got to listen to the word, the Holy Spirit had to be upon the people who were speaking the word. Yeah? So the Holy Spirit was doing a work here in verse 14. It wasn't that when we get to verse 15 that the Holy Spirit shows up. He was already working in them. Now, I've done this before, but I just want to mention it quickly this morning, that you need to recognize that the normal Christian birth, becoming a Christian, having Jesus at the center of your life, is a multifaceted thing, and the Holy Spirit attacks you from all angles, okay? So here, they believed, believed, Uh Uh-oh, spelling. Believe, is that right? I don't know. You get it. They believed, thank you, Louise. Good to have you there. They believed the word of God. We know, um, and this is at the end of the passage that we just read, that there was something going on in Simon where he needed to do this. He needed to repent. Um, Now, This really is about faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever puts his faith and his trust and his confidence in him, okay, will not perish but will have everlasting life. This is a work of faith. How do you get the faith? The Holy, oh, we're getting it now. Okay, we're on a roll. The front row is on a roll. From row two backwards, it's not quite getting it, so we just keep plodding away. Okay, 
the Holy Spirit brings faith, okay? And this is what is happening in verse 14, that the Holy Spirit is up to something and they are receiving the word and God, the Holy Spirit, is doing something and they believe and, and, and they become born again, okay? Repentance is a key part. What does repentance mean? It means to... To, to change your mind, basically. But it's not like, oh, you know, shall I go to sort of Chiquitos today or Frankie and Benny's? Oh, I was going to go to Chiquitos, but now I'm going to go to Frankie and Benny's. It's not quite that level of changing your mind. It's a little bit deeper. It's about your whole life being turned around. Now, this is amazing because this is where the Holy Spirit helps you. Did we have some people, you don't need to put up your hand, okay, just think about this. Did we have some people here that before you met Jesus, there was some bitterness and some hatred in your heart. And then when you came to Jesus, Jesus put love within your heart. And that love, it was like a seed and it began to grow and it's actually pushing out the hatred and the bitterness and the unforgiveness. Yeah? How does that happen? It's the, it's the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Amber. It's good to see Amber this morning. Let's give a round of applause to Amber. All the way from Grimsby. Love to see you, Amber. We love you guys. Why did you ever move away? Um, the Holy Spirit. Okay, there we go. That's the answer to that question. Touche. Um, where, where was I? Oh, yes. So love. Okay. Now, we're going to talk later about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to talk now a little bit about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. But it's the fruit of the Spirit. God doesn't just give you love. But he gives you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience. Was that nine? Yeah? Okay. Good. I always get them in the wrong order. So what happens is that in the normal Christian birth, which is multifaceted and a lot of things happen, is that God places a seed in your heart, a seed that is incorruptible, a seed that is eternal, and it begins to take over your life. And it is the presence of the Holy Spirit which bears the fruit of Jesus. So once before I knew Jesus, I might have struggled with a sense of negativity and oh, I'm just morbid and I'm 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 I was going to say damp. I don't know where that came from. I'm 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 just you know down and I'm I'm oh I can't say the word anyway. So joy comes, the fruit of the spirit and the the, the character of Jesus comes, and now I have joy. Maybe you're stressed out and you're worried, and you can't sleep at night, well, the Holy Spirit brings the fruit of the Spirit, which is peace. And and it's the presence of the Holy Spirit, but it's also the presence of Jesus, because it's who Jesus is. When you read the Gospels, he was love, joy, peace, self-control, okay? He was all those things. So there's a turning around that happens. There is also a baptism in water. Why would anybody want to do what Yannicka did two or three weeks ago, which is get dunked in a freezing cold bath of water 
It's because it's part of the normal Christian birth. This is what Jesus asks us to do. Can I challenge you? If you have not been baptized in water, do it. We'll do it next week, okay? This is how passionate I am about this. Okay, we're going to do it next week. You come to me after church. It's important that you are baptized in water, not because I'm saying it. It's because Jesus tells us to be baptized. And here's an example. What is baptism? I like to think of it a little bit like my wedding day, okay? My wedding day was not the day that I fell in love with Audrey. It was not even really the day I kind of committed myself to her in one sense because we were already engaged. But it was a day when I went public. It was a day when I told the world, this is my woman, Okay, she is mine. Hands off, fellas. Okay, she belongs. Well, she belongs to the Lord. Okay, and I'll look after her. Um, that kind of thing, you know. Know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Okay, I won't go there. Um, so, baptism is like going public. It's like a day where you say, "Do you know what? Jesus is mine, and I'm His, and I'm going to tell the world, and I'm going to do this crazy thing of being baptized in water that speaks of." renewal and washing and this sense of 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 repentance and change that is going on in my life okay we believe in Jesus but then so this is baptism in water but then we see here that there is something else going on in the normal Christian conversion and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit couldn't quite fit on there well just about did the Holy Spint. Let's try and change that. I don't like that. That's not good. Holy Spirit. It's always problems when I get out of the flip chart. You understand that? Okay. So we believe in Jesus. We don't receive Jesus. Look at the New Testament and what it says. We believe in Jesus, but we receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there are Four occasions in the book of Acts where people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Okay, There's some weird things happening in the building. The building is shaken. There's tongues of fire, um, which is like flame. So Jill now becomes a human sort of candle. And there's a flame. on. That would be really cool here, wouldn't it? That would really help with the heating. Um, so there's, there's stuff going on. And then it says they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and they speak in a language that they haven't learnt. Which is really handy. Because in the town in Jerusalem, there were lots of people who, who spoke different languages. So when they began to spill out on the streets, and as I think Dad said last week, this was a prayer meeting. You need to understand that when you turn up to church at 10.30, you are already an hour and a half too late. Because there is a prayer meeting that happens every single week at 9 o'clock. It's currently in the small room next door. It's going to end up in the big room. And then it's going to be in here because everybody is going to be here. Because that's where it's happening, people. In the prayer meeting. Can I hear an amen? Okay, we'll come next week. We'll see you all. That's great. That's sorted out. So the people are praying and the Holy Spirit is poured out. And they speak this language that they haven't learnt, and it's really cool because now they pour out onto the streets and they can speak to people in their own language about the resurrection of Jesus. Hey, you know that guy who was crucified a few weeks back? We saw him. He's alive today. He wasn't just a man, but he's the God-man, and he proved that from rising from the dead. And 3,000 people get added to the church. That's Acts chapter 2. Then there's Acts 
chapter 8. And we'll come back to that in a moment. Acts chapter 10 is where Cornelius, a Gentile, receives the Holy Spirit. What happens? Because it's interesting, when people receive the Holy Spirit, something happens. Something happens. So when Cornelius receives the Holy Spirit, it tells us that he begins to speak in a language that he hasn't learnt. In Acts 19, um, we're, we're in Ephesus, and they receive the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in a language that they haven't learnt, and it's, that's mentioned first, and then they begin to prophesy. Now we're here in this text in Acts chapter 8. And what it says in Acts chapter 8, it says that Simon, is it the next slide? Let's go to the next slide. Uh, when? Verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of hands, he sees something. He sees something. There was something that happened. Now, here in Acts chapter 8, Luke doesn't tell us what Simon sees, but he sees something. Now, he didn't, I don't think he saw love, joy, peace, patience. He didn't see those things. He saw something supernatural. And if it was in line with what happened um, in the other occasions, in Acts 2, 8, 10, 19, what he would have seen is people speaking a language that they hadn't learnt. Maybe people prophesying. Now this is where we, I feel it's gone really quiet now. It's gone, you know, welcome to the King's Church where we avoid the controversial topics. Um, You see, this is really interesting because this is why we begin to ask the question, why is this gift of the Holy Spirit, speaking in a language that you haven't learnt, why is, why is that the gift? What, what, you know, why does that seem to be so prevalent here when people receive the Holy Spirit? Well, here's a statement I want to make. It's a question. Are you full of it? It. Or are you full of him? I came to... Uh, Fat Calf, which is our youth club. Why is it called Fat Calf? I don't know. Maybe we need to look at that. Um, have you noticed I'm wearing my coat this morning? I heard a little rumor that Gareth Matthews banned coats from the worship team. It's a good job. It's a good job I'm not in the worship team, isn't it? I'm not living under the law. I'm a man of grace. <laughs> Welcome back, Gaz. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, Fat Calf on Friday night. So, so this kid, I have this little thing that I'm, I'm, su- I'm super, super competitive, yeah? I just love to, you know, give me, a, give me a challenge. Football, table tennis, pool, you know. I love playing with the kids. So this guy comes over and he says, yeah, I'm going to kick your posterior is what he said. <laughs> but he didn't use that word with a P. He used another word. I'm going to kick your posterior. You see, he was, he was full of it. It's a little phrase that kind of says, well, you know, you're full of yourself. You're full of ego. You're a bit self-centered. So when I ask you this morning, are you full of it? 
And we could add two letters to that word because you're going to be full of that if you're full of it. Or are you full of him, which is the Holy Spirit? Now, you can't be full of both. You have to make a choice. In this whole thing of the normal Christian birth, it's really saying, I surrender to you. I give up control of my life, Jesus. Why would I ever even think that I want to run my own life when the creator of the world, he loves me. He's got a plan for me. He's died for me. And now he wants to help me. Craziness that I would take the reins of my life. That I would take the rudder of my life. And I would direct where my life is going. Now you notice there, I I use two words. I use the word rain and I use the word rudder. When we're talking about control, when we're talking about surrender, when we read the book of James, we read that there is one part of your body that is central to where your life is going. And what is that part? Oh, we're back there again. It's your voice. It's the words that you speak. Can I ask you this morning, who's got control of your tongue? And it's interesting these days because it's not just your your tongue, but it's your typing as well. And I mentioned this the other week and we won't go there again. But, you know, communication is multifaceted, but, but communication is a very powerful thing. You need to understand that when God made the world, he spoke and things happened. Your words are incredibly powerful and I wonder... This week, King's Church, how have we been using our tongue? The part of our body that James says, this is central, central to the direction in your life. So I wonder, I wonder, when it comes to this thing, of this battle between being full of it, ourselves, ego, I'm going to control my life, I'm going to be the one who's holding the steering wheel Jesus of my car, or allowing the Holy Spirit to take control, I think the battle of our tongue, our words, is key. Now, if this morning you came to me after church And I said to you, I have nine gifts for you. I've got nine gifts at the front here. This is me. This is what I would kind of think. One, who are they from? Now, my attitude towards those nine gifts would kind of depend on how I felt about the person who was giving me the gifts, yeah? If the gifts were coming from Adri... I would be pretty excited about the gifts. Now, here's the next question. If Audrey was a millionaire, I would be even more excited about the gifts. Because there's two things about a gift, isn't there? There's, There's a sense of, you know, does the person care about me and love me? And do they have the resources to buy me something that's that's useful. Now, I, I know gifts are more than just, you get, oh, I'm trying to make a point here. And here's the point. Here's the point. The God who loves you more than anybody else, and the God who owns everything, who is a multi, multi, multi quazillionaire, okay, 
He has got everything that he ever needs and, and has got everything. I mean, there's nothing that God doesn't own. He wants to give you gifts, okay? And in 1 Corinthians 12, we read about nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are sitting here um, in front of you. What is your attitude towards those gifts? I'll tell you what I think our attitude should be. Our attitude, yes, please. Thank you, Martin Mance sitting under his blanket. Yes, please. I will throw off my blanket and I would do anything to to get those gifts. So I struggle sometimes when I talk to people about the gift of speaking in other languages or the gift of tongues that we talk about because sometimes it sense people are very, not very even, but sometimes just resistant to that gift. And I want to tell you, it's a gift that God wants to give to you. It's an amazing gift. It's actually not the best gift. It's actually the lesser of the gifts. Okay? The other eight gifts are amazing because with the other eight gifts, you can bless other people. You can change the world. You can bring healing to people. You can prophesy over people. You can have discernment into people's hearts. It's through the eight other gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 that we change the world. There is still this wonderful gift called the gift of speaking in tongues, which I believe is a sign gift. It's a little sign a reassurance that the Holy Spirit has come. It's also an amazing gift to keep me connected with God. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about a church that had gone crazy with the use of spiritual gifts. I mean, they would, you think you're crazy, King's Church. The church in Corinth was just super disorganized with people prophesying and speaking in tongues and healing over here. I mean, it was just chaos. He says, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on, we need a little bit of structure here. It's great that the Holy Spirit's moving, but let's just think about this a little bit. If every one of you is speaking in languages that nobody understands, it's not very helpful. Um, Have we got, who can speak another language? Paul cries, let's let's just, uh, who can, oh, the hands have gone down now, the hands have gone down. Oh, where are you, Paul? Oh, just just utter some sweet nothings to me in Spanish. Hola. I understand that. Hola, Paul. Muy bien. Très, très bon. Bien, bien. Go on, say something, say, say something that I'm not going to understand. Ojalá. Okay, who understood that? Ojalá. Is that a vegetable? Is it a mineral? Who understood ojalá? Okay, so... One person understands a bit of Spanish. Okay. So, so Paul was trying to bring some help to a church that was going crazy with people like Paul saying, I'm going to speak in my gift of, of, of speaking you know, Spanish or whatever his language was, you know, supernaturally. Isn't this gift cool and not cool and this, that and the other? He said, no, 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 no. Church is about love. It's about helping each other. It's about building each other up. The gift of speaking other languages is not really that helpful in church. But you know what? I thank God that I speak in tongues than, than, than or you all. I'm a, I'm a tongue speaker. Because it builds me up in my relationship with God. So what I want to say is, when we come to praying for 
receiving the Holy Spirit. One, we want the whole package, don't we? We want the whole shebang. You know, if there's people here this morning who haven't been baptized in water, do it. Go for it. Come on, what are you waiting for? Jesus loves you. If there's some areas in your life where you need some repentance, do it. Get yourself right with God. I mean, these are kind of continual works that need to happen. If, you are, you know, if you've had a moment where you felt you've received the Holy Spirit, don't stop there. Don't think, oh, 20 years ago I was in a meeting and I spoke in a language I didn't understand. Okay, what have you done since? Well, nothing. Great. That's not, no, it's not great. That's, that's rubbish. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, Jesus says, it's a baptism of power. It's for us to be bold and to be courageous, to look at the needs in this world and to think, wow, we have some amazing gifts that we can use to lift up the name of Jesus. To show this world that God cares and that God is powerful. And he is strong and he is miraculous. Martin and Adam, just come up here really quickly. So we were talking the other day about um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Martin, just, just explain quickly just how you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you'll have to stop me. Um, I was brought up in a church yeah, when it, when it, um, where the teaching was that the baptism of the Holy Spirit died out when the canon of Scripture came together. Gifts were for not for today. So I had to unlearn all of that. I was away on a, on a nice Christian youth retreat and uh, somebody prayed with me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, although I felt a real sense of joy within me, uh, I, I wouldn't believe it until I spoke in tongues. That was purely a... Because although I'm a very feelingy sort of person, I actually do like tangible um, proof. Uh, and uh, it wasn't until I went to a... Um, it was a concert, and uh, there was an appeal for people to go forward to be prayed for. I went forward. The guy who prayed for me knew what I'd come forward for, and uh, he said, so you don't believe you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, mm, no, not really. I won't do that till I speak in tongues. He laid hands on me, and he said, I'm going to start speaking in tongues, do whatever comes naturally, and I felt bubbling up within me uh, a different, uh, well, words. So I, well, I wasn't even sure if they were words, and I'll, I'll finish on this because I want to be really quick. Uh, again, tangible proof. I went home and a few weeks later, I tape recorded myself speaking in tongues and then played it back to myself to see what it sounded like. I didn't tell you that bit, did I? But it was, although I still don't know what it is, I, I knew it was a language. There was a rhythm, there were words, there were phrases that I, could, um, that I could understand as a different language that I didn't know. So I knew without doubt then. But and uh, this is my big failing my tongue and even though I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit for a number of years a long time actually I still struggle with my tongue and I have people who will speak into my life and say you shouldn't say that if you haven't got people that do that get people that do that because being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't mean the end of all of your problems it means the Holy Spirit can help you through them and I would do you know something I wouldn't be without it I would not be without the gift of tongues but it is the least of the gifts but I needed tangible proof and God understands me and gave me tangible proof there's a lot of things I could say um, I've had 
I've been blessed to have some really great uh, encounters with the Holy Spirit. Um, I've had times where, you know, it says in Scripture, who can stand in the presence of the Lord? I've had times where, uh, you know, I've just been so sort of consumed with the presence of God that I've ended up on the floor. Uh, There's one time where I just uh, spent so long doing that I couldn't get up afterwards and I had to sort of stay there longer. But, um, you know, it was was a great time. I was just so caught up in the presence of God. But uh, I said to Gareth, probably what I was going to share in answer to that question was the time where God really brought me some freedom in the area of the gift of tongues. Um, very briefly, my, my background was I had some amazing Sunday school teachers, and as like a seven-year-old kid, uh, our Sunday school teachers were teaching us about the gift of tongues. Um, and I learnt, uh, we spent some time listening as little children, and I learnt a couple of words. So we, we, wait, we waited, we listened, uh, and then our Sunday school teacher asked us for a word, and I said, oh, I think it's this. And she said, great, that means this. And I was like, oh, right. Um, and we did it again, and I got a second word. And, and for years, I was stuck in a place where my experience of speaking in tongues was remembering those two words and saying them alternately over and over again as quickly as I could. Um, now, who knows that's not a full gift of tongues right there. Um, a great experience. You know, God, God was real to me as a little child. But it wasn't until I was about 15 or so um, where I was at Soul Survivor um, and I was praying with someone, and, and I had a, a kind of full release in the gift of tongues. And, and Gareth was talking earlier about resistance. Um, and I think, actually, I recognize in my life there was some resistance um, to that gift and maybe towards the Holy Spirit. And, and actually, I think a lot of us sometimes can have that without even realizing it. So I want to tell you what was going on with me that I recognize in hindsight. You know, I think there was a good desire in me, and I think a lot of us would have this good desire, a desire for authenticity, a desire for a real experience, a desire not to hype stuff up, to manufacture something that isn't authentic. That's a good desire. Um, What I began to realize in hindsight was that my desire for authentic experience actually brought about a bit of resistance to what God wanted to do in my life. Uh, there were plenty of times where I would go to meetings. It was a kind of meetings where they had people lined up, uh, kind of, and people would go along and they'd pray for people and people would fall over. Uh, and I'd be like, are they really? Like, um, <clears throat> and, and I began to realize that in my heart, as I went forward and I was like saying, God, I'm hungry for you. I want to meet with you. Actually, what I was really saying was, God, I am not going down unless you make me go down. God, I am not going to speak unless you make me speak kind of thing. And I began to realize that actually God's not a God who forces anything. Actually, if I, if I want to receive the gift of tongues, I need to bring myself to God and just be like, God, here's my tongue. Like, I want to speak whatever you've got for me. And what really helped me in this moment when I was about 15 years old and this guy was praying with me uh, was he just said, you know what, it says, make a joyful noise for the Lord. He said, just open your mouth and start making some noise. You, might, you probably will feel like a baby to start with, uh, making sort of goo-goo-ga-ga noises or whatever. You'll probably feel stupid. But you know what? David was undignified in his worship. Just make some noise and let it come from your heart as a way of saying, Jesus, I want to make a joyful noise for the Lord. Even if I sound stupid, even if everyone else thinks I'm an idiot, God, I am doing this because I want you to be blessed and I want you to be glorified. And I tell you what, as I began to do that, and I felt ridiculous, and when we were talking as a leadership team, Audrey was saying that um, her experience was someone was saying, you've got to start by saying yabba dabba do. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're not doing that because we want to drum up an experience. We're doing it because we want to partner with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And actually, as I start using my tongue, um, God is able to kind of take control. 
Um, and my experience then was that I'm, I began making all these stupid noises. And somewhere in the middle of that, I just lost track. Um, you know, kind of before that, it kind of been like I was waiting for the full Spanish dictionary to dawn in my mind so that I could just fluently start reciting it before I would even open my mouth. Um, you know, that was kind of where I'd come from. But it was just kind of like, uh, you know, I, I lost track of thinking about the words I was going to form. And it was like something was rising up from my heart, uh, you know, and, and I start praying about stuff and I just start blessing God in a way where I know exactly what's in my heart. I've got no idea what the words I'm saying mean, um, but something's coming out of my heart deeper than it ever came out of before. Um, Adam's never going to make the worship team because he's got his coat and his scarf on. Look at that. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Do we have any thirsty people here this morning? Thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Thirsty for Jesus? You may even be in a place where you're saying, do you know what, Gareth, I feel, I feel pretty full up with the Lord at the moment. Well, can you become a watering hole, please? Because there are lots of people who are very thirsty. And you can become a well. You can become a place where people come and they are refreshed. You can ask the... the um, the Holy Spirit to come. And the worship team are going to come up as well. And they're going to be anointed by the Holy Spirit to, to lead us in a song in a moment. John 7 verse 37 says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. I'm not really interested in putting the Holy Spirit in a box this morning. Um, what I want to do is I want to get on a box. I want to get on a soapbox. And I want to I say, we need the Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage you this morning as your pastor, just to be open to him. You know, I'm so aware that I resist the Holy Spirit so much. There are times when, you know, I, I, I sense the Holy Spirit asking me to do something, and I'll say, no, no, that's just me. That can't be right. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning that so often I'm, I'm not paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do within me. And it's an, it's an issue of control, and it's an issue of submission. And I just want to encourage you and challenge you and try and inspire you just to be open to everything the Holy Spirit has for you. Um, however that may look. For those who have said, yeah, I've really received the Holy Spirit. I know that's happened. Can I encourage you to continue to receive the Holy Spirit? To pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit because there are people in this world that need supernatural things from God. There may be some of you here this morning, you say, well, you know, I've, I've never really felt, I've had a, that moment where somebody maybe laid hands on me and, and I, I received the Holy Spirit. You know, I've never maybe spoken in a language or prophesied. Well, God loves you. You're not, you're not a second-class Christian or anything like that. It's just rubbish. It's not about that. It's about saying God loves you. And he wants to bless you more. Wherever you are at, God wants to fill you with more of his presence. And he wants to help you to understand that by giving you things that we can see. I love that with, was it you, Martin, saying, I needed something. 
needed something to sort of grab hold of. And that, that I, for me, I believe that's often the, 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 the gift of, of speaking in a language that you haven't learnt. Um, and it's something I use every day in my prayer life. And it helps me, I believe, just to connect with God. 